This is the Rocky Mountain Review Podcast. I am your co-host, Gabe Peterson. And I'm your other co-host, Julia Batalise. This is the Rocky Mountain Review, the live news show that airs 4 to 5, Tuesday and Thursday, on KCSU that is turned into a podcast. And this is what you missed this week. Five, four, three, I'm Julia Batalise. And I'm Gabe Peterson. And you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. And welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Batalise. I am one of two co-hosts. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Peterson. How's it going? Not bad. Um, I'm also here with our national news correspondent, J.D. Layton. Howdy, howdy. Also our new news director in training, I guess you could say. Um, we're also here with Blanche Hughes. Thank you for being here. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just going to give a quick rundown for the show. Um, so um, we're going to have a quick interview with um, Dr. Blanche uh, very shortly that uh, JD will be taking over. Um, right after that, we will have local news. We'll be talking a little bit um, about um, a, deputy that, a deputy that was in, injured in Loveland, um, as well as a rally that went on in Denver today. Um, yesterday. Or yesterday, sorry. Yep. Um, from Colorado teachers. Then we have uh, sports coming up after that. Then we have uh, national and global news. We'll talk a little bit about na- uh, North and South Korea. And then we have a music segment done by our own DJ Danish. And uh, later in the show, we'll have uh, weather, which everyone, of course, loves. So, um, anyway. It's windy, yes, <laughs> if you haven't been outside yet. Um, anyway, I'm going to throw it over to JD. He's going to take over the interview. So we are joined in the studio by Dr. Blanche, who's the Vice President of Student Affairs. Would you mind uh, giving our audience exactly what that uh, position entails at CSU? Sure. Um, being the Vice President of Student Affairs is the best job ever. I just will. <laughs> let me start out by saying that. Um, I get to work with, uh, Student Affairs works with students primarily outside of the formal classroom. So if you think about uh, uh uh, really to support you to be successful as students, okay? And so that includes things like housing and dining, the Lori Student Center, um, um, campus recreation, the resource centers, the cultural centers, veterans programs. So it's over 21 different departments uh, that work with students, and I get to help provide those kinds of wonderful services and programs for you. Cool. Cool. Oh, um, I'm, I'm going to come to mind, actually, Okay, later. sorry. You I, start. You pulled it up, and you looked excited. So. No, no. I'll, <laughs> we'll get to that later. You start. So you recently spoke at uh, CSU Night. It was a great speech. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it was actually the only one I was able to catch. <laughs> but uh, what would you consider to be, like, the, the main goal with CSU Night, obviously moving forward uh, after in light of the recent incidents that have uh, sort of spread again? spread across campus mm-hmm. well the main goal of the uh, event was to provide an opportunity to a show solidarity to get students faculty and staff together to say hey we've had some things happen on this campus that are not okay and here's a way for us to come together to say we are a place that we do not support hate that we want to find ways for us to work better together Um, And it also was an opportunity for those students, faculty, and staff who have been targets of this bias and hate incidents to feel like they're not alone because it's easy to feel marginalized or feel like, is this a safe place for me? Do people even care? And to have this sort of solidarity event 
they at least could see that there are people who really do care about what happens. And, um, and so it's a beginning, right? It's just a thing to say, hey, we're together, we stand together, now what do we do next? Jumping the gun, I was, I was just about to ask that, actually. So in, in light of CSU Unite, what do you think are some of the steps the university as well as the university ad, uh, administration is, is going to take? Well, you know, one of the big messages from that event was really trying to empower not just administration, but all of us to figure out that we all have a role in this, right? We all have a role. And what is that role? And how can we... Um, individually figure out what we could do to change this and also then as an institution are there programs are there services are there things that we education right that we could do to help people to understand why these issues are important uh, even to make people students aware that hey this this is what's going on not only in at, at our university but at other universities and across the country and so our goal then is to have people leave that saying this is just the beginning it's not enough for us just to have this one-time event what can I do what can I do to help make a difference so I'm in a conversation with my friends we're out and somebody makes uh, a racist remark or says something can you just say, wow, that's interesting. Talk to me more about that, because that's not how I feel. Just interrupting, you know, interrupting that kind of uh, behavior. How can we just smile more at people and just try to be supportive? There's big things that we could do, and then there's smaller things that we could do. Um, continuing to try to figure out how do we make sure that students feel safe in, in uh, residence halls and going across campus. And if there are things as an administration that we can do, and part of it is communicating better, letting people know what's going on, um, we want to continue to do those things as well. But I think it's, this, is a, this is a university, all of us coming together to figure out what kinds of things can we do to help change. Yeah. Um, kind of along those lines, um, what was your personal reaction to the presence of students against white supremacy uh, during the march and then their sort of impromptu speech? Um, you know, I was surprised it wasn't part of the program. Mm -hmm. And yet their message really did fit what we were trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm supportive of students having a voice. Now, probably wish that they hadn't come and interrupted a program that was already planned and at the same time um, wanted to support students in terms of wanting to be supportive, trying to find mm -hmm. their own way to, to say this isn't okay. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's really you know, how I felt about it. Message, agreed with. Mm -hmm. Just like the Just timing. Surprise. The timing maybe <laughs> not not the best. And um and at the same time though, it also has really, I think, had lots lots more conversations. Mm -hmm. Has encouraged people to talk more about that. Yeah. And that is one of the things we're trying to do is we gotta talk about these issues. And so it uh I think it it's given people an opportunity to talk about things on uh all different kinds of perspectives around that. Yeah, for so sure. So, as a, uh, <clears throat> I apologize for my voice, but as like a <laughs> university administrator, how long have you guys been planning the CSU night? Because I think with the Students Against White Supremacy, I think 
their biggest deal was that it took till the second semester, it took till the end of March to kind of have this CSU night where things were happening in August and September. How long have you guys been, how long were you planning the CSU night uh, program? You know, we work with the uh, um, President's Multicultural Student Advisory Committee, and we started talking about this towards the end of last semester mm-hmm. and saying it's there, like, what else can we do and to really make a, a stronger voice? It's not as if we hadn't done anything up to yeah, that point, no, absolutely. but something way more visible than that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, then it was the end of the semester. And so when we came back in January is when we, you know, we got really more serious and the students were like, yeah, this is something we should do. And we started planning it uh, uh, so that that's what we had it in April. I mean, no, March. Yeah. <laughs> Did you uh, did you enjoy the CSU night? Because it, it was I, me and JD um, only had an opportunity to go out there for like twenty minutes because we have this mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the what was the feedback from the march? Is it um, was it a, was it something that you want to continue doing forward? I mean, obviously you can't do a big march like that again. <laughs> but um, what was the what was the feedback from the community? Because I think it, what it showed was everybody at CSU feels the same way, and it's a great community. Um, and just what was the feedback from everything? Okay, well, I'll start with the first question you asked me. Is what did I? I'm rambling. Oh, yeah, that's all right. What What did I think about it? It was awesome. Yeah. It was really awesome for somebody like me who's, who's been here for, you know, 34 years to be on that stage and see it, you know, and see all of the students. We had no idea how many people would show up. You know, it could be 500. It could be 1,000. It could be two. Mm. We, just, we just didn't know. And uh, to see that, and to see students and faculty and staff and even community people all coming together like that it was just amazing so yes it it meant a lot to me because it did say we care mm-hmm. feedback that we've gotten has uh that i've personally gotten has been um i can't tell you how many students faculty and staff have come up to me and said this was just really awesome and um and it was important because it showed that people do care and even if you, I don't think everybody agrees on everything, but the one thing, if we could all agree on one thing, that hate is not okay, <laughs> that bias, hate crimes is not okay, then that's something that brings us all together. That's something we have in common. Mm-hmm. And, and that's important, right? Um, I got a lot of feedback, particularly from uh, faculty and staff from marginalized identities that really feel felt like finally somebody has acknowledged sort of my presence here and how hard it is. And I know that's really what I tried to emphasize a lot in my comments, was really talking to folks who've been more impacted by this, to say you're not alone and look around, and we don't have to do this by ourselves, that there are people who care and that you are valued on this campus uh, with, the, with what you bring. And so that was also really, um, empowering and it was worth doing yeah right it was worth doing it you mentioned yeah. that you've been here for 34 years how has this last year kind of um there, there's obviously probably been incidents in mm-hmm. your 34 years but how specifically different has this year been compared to the last 30 it's been different it's just been seemed like one thing after another we've we've you know over the years have had people put things on you know right bias things or hate stuff on boards you know mm-hmm. swastikas and things mm-hmm. like that and we've tried to respond to it but Having organized, like the like the white supremacist groups coming on campus, tried to recruit, and that what well, that's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has not happened before. And um, 
so yeah it's not the same <laughs> it's been it's been more mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. a final question uh moving forward do you think that uh we could see like another CSU night coming in maybe next year as a reoccurring thing where it's like, Hey, CSU, we stand together mm-hmm. uh, against these acts of hate and violence, or hopefully it's not mot- motivated by that anymore, but yeah. uh, it's just sort of a continuing thing. Can you see that happening? You know, we've talked about it and what we would want to do is talk with you all. Like, mm-hmm. is this something that students, faculty and staff are saying, we need to do this every year? We mm. want to do this. I mean, I was blown away when I walked out and saw how yeah. many people were yeah. there. I was blown mm. away. I couldn't believe it. And and, and, and the weather was bad. So yeah, it was cold, it was, it was you chill. know, and offhand snowing, snowing here yeah. and not here, you know. So, yeah. So I think that definitely is something that we are continuing to have conversation about. But I believe that needs to come from the community to say we want to do this again, um, as it did this time with students. And so... Yeah, if it's something that people are feeling like they want to do, we hope to hear from folks to let us know that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, sure. This was fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Welcome anytime. An absolute pleasure. All right. yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you all. Thank yeah. you for caring enough to want to share this. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we'll be coming back here in just a second with local news and sports. Um, stay tuned. You are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. KCSU Fort Collins. I am Julia Batalise. I am one of two co-hosts. I'm here with my co-host Gabe Peterson. How's it going? Not bad. I am also here with J.D. Layton, our national news correspondent. Howdy, howdy. And our reporter, um, the, uh, Katie Otter. The <laughs> Katie Otter. I don't know what happened there. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're going to get into local news. I'm going to send it to... J.D. J.D. No. No, try it again. <laughs> Katie Otter. No. No? No. Oh, it's literally me. I'm looking at the story. <laughs> okay. There it is. Killing it. It's, uh, I almost said it's a Monday. It's a Tuesday. Wow. Um, a Larimer County Sheriff's Office deputy has been assaulted following a vehicle pursuit in Loveland on April 14th. According to Austin Flesks of the Collegian, at 9.23 p.m., um, the Larimer County uh, SO deputies received information regarding a blue 1997 Honda Accord who failed to stop um, following a traffic stop. Deputies located the vehicle in the area of North Garfield Avenue and East 57th Street in Loveland. The driver drove south on Garfield, reaching speeds of 40 miles per hour. The deputies were able to successfully deploy Star Chase, a global positioning system, vehicle pursuit tracking device, and deputies stopped pursuing the vehicle. Deputies contacted the driver, who was identified as 28-year-old Eric C. Guren, um, at his residence in Loveland. Guren physically resisted arrest while holding his two-year-old child. Deputies tried to rescue the child, but were unsuccessful, and Guren dropped the child. The child did not sustain injuries from the drop. Guren continued to resist and attempted to take the deputy's firearm during the struggle, but was unsuccessful and was taken into custody. While Guren was being arrested, his father, 55-year-old Eric M. Guren, 
children, um, arrived at the residence and began to obstruct the investigation. He was taken into custody as well. After the arrest, a deputy was transported to a local area hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. They have a new technology where they can just track a car now? I guess like, they, so. I believe they've had that for a while. How oh, did, really? How did they... Do, I don't think anybody would know, but how did they get that on there during the chase? Was it just like a shot at it or something? I have no idea. I think That's it uses like car computers for oh, it, but I don't... Star Chase. Okay, I'll look into it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't put me on it. Anyways, moving <laughs> don't on. Don't put me on it. <laughs> <laughs> moving on in local news. After multiple states have staged teacher walkouts, Colorado is the latest state to partake in the protest as teachers marched on the Capitol and in their own school districts yesterday, demanding higher wages, according to multiple sources. Also, according to ABC News, Colorado and teachers earn less than $7,000 a year in regards to the national average. Colorado ranks 48th in the nation in teacher wages, only beating out West Virginia and Oklahoma, the two previous states igniting the protest, as reported by the Denver Post. These protests happened all over the state of Colorado as a thousand Pooter school district teachers gathered at numerous schools before classes started to protest for higher wages and retirement benefits, as well as Inglewood Public Schools closing entirely yesterday as more than 70% of their faculty reported that they would partake in the protest, according to the Coloradoan. This is just the newest wave in a nationwide debate over teacher benefits. So I think the one thing that was, as I was kind of reading this, because, you know, when you think about teacher walkouts, you kind of worry, like, well, is school going to happen that day? Um, yeah. Inglewood Public Schools kind of got shut down for the day. But um, these Pooter School District teachers, I think they did it the right, the right way. They went to, like, class or schools before classes started mm. so that they got to teach their students during the day. Oh, I and see. I think that's, I think that's a, a very great teaching point because if you cancel classes, you're ruining um, the day of learning for students. I mean, I'm sure the students were stoked. I'd be stoked. But um, I think if they do this kind of stuff before classes, that kind of shows that this really does mean something to them because mm -hmm. their profession means a lot to them. Yeah. I mean, I understand the um, significance of like, you know, staging that walkout and not, um, you know, not going to school. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, I see what you're saying with, um, you know, the importance of them still doing their job and teaching students. So, yeah. And I would just say these protests are absolutely important. I mean, if West Virginia and Oklahoma are already seeing 5% increases in wages and Colorado is ranked right next to those two states, with everything that teachers do, I mean, obviously that these protests are important and um, hopefully Colorado follows suit with, uh, you know, Oklahoma and West Virginia. I agree. Um, yeah, all right. Well, cool. sports. Um, yeah, we have uh, Bjorn Larson in here. He's going to give us a little bit of a sports update. Yeah, we'll start with baseball. Colorado State Club Baseball brought out the brooms this past weekend as the Rams swept the University of Northern Colorado in a three-game series held at City Park Field. With the trio of wins, CSU earned its third straight series sweep on the season and increased their winning streak to 12 games. We're getting hot at the right time, said junior outfielder Brandon DeLay. It's getting late in the season and our defense, offense, and pitching are all working well. CSU, with six games remaining, is ranked number 18 in NCBA Division I. The Red Hot Rams will travel to Scotts Bluff, Nebraska to face Western Nebraska Community College on April 22nd in a doubleheader. WNCC will be one of the toughest challenges for the Rams since their winning streak began. CSU Track and Field continued their record-breaking season with an exciting performance at the NoCo Challenge, which was co-hosted by CSU and the University of Northern Colorado last weekend. Jessica Ozude highlighted the Rams' distance crew by becoming the program leader in the women's 200 meters. Ozude recorded a time of 23.65 to top CSU's all-time list as the Rams took the top four spots in the event. 
The Rams were also victorious in the men's 800 meters behind Blake Yunt's performance. Yunt finished with a time of 151. CSU rounded out their day by taking the top two spots in the men's shot put. Austin Blejo set a personal best with a mark of 17.54 meters to earn the top spot, while his twin brother, Alex Blejo, took the second spot with a mark of 1681. The Rams will have three meets in California between April 19th and 21st, beginning at the Mount Sac Relays, then going to the Pacific Coast Intercollegiate, and ending at the Long Beach Invite. And that is your sports for today. God, track and field, man. I'm I know. killing it. They're I love crushing it. it. I know. God, it's crazy. Um, anyway, thanks. Thanks, Bjorn, for coming no, on. No worries. Um, we are going to take a quick break here. We'll be coming back in uh, just a moment with uh, national and global news as well as our music segment done by um, DJ Danish. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. You are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. KCSU, Chippers Lanes, and the Mishawaka Amphitheater presenting Amorphic and Mountainous, part of the Spotlight Artist Series. They're playing Thursday, April 19th, 10 p.m., located at Chippers Lanes on College Avenue. Bowl, play, and eat while listening to live music. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Battalese. I'm one of two co-hosts. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Peterson. How's it going? Not bad. I'm also here with uh, J.D. Layton, our national news correspondent. Howdy, howdy. This is my section. <laughs> oh, my God. And Katie Otter is in the studio, <laughs> too. How's it going? Hello. That took me a second. I didn't even under understood what you said, so I just kind of stared at you. Everybody under meant what I stood. You're the worst person okay. ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to go into national and global news. I'm going to throw it over to JD. In a shocking turn towards lasting peace in the Korean Peninsula, North and South Korean leaders are in discussion for calling a formal peace to the Korean War, reports John Bowden of The Hill. The Korean War has officially been ongoing since 1950 but there has been an armistice since 1953, which has kept the peninsula peaceful, although in a state of stalemate between the North and South. The report comes from a South Korean official who stated that a possible joint announcement from the South Korean president, Moon Jae-in, and North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, declaring the end of the war ahead of a joint summit next week. This would follow the installation of a direct phone line between the leaders in an effort to foster greater cooperation between the two Koreas. According to John Delury, an associate professor of Chinese studies at Yonsei University in Seoul, stated ending the state of conflict is the core of the whole thing. Peace is as complicated as denuclearization, reports Jian Li of Bloomberg. This marked an enormous step forward for peace in the Korean Peninsula. However, there are a multitude of challenges facing peace like thousands of troops along the Korean DMZ or the North Korean artillery pointed at South Korea's capital, not to mention the thousands of U.S. troops stationed in South Korea. Cool. <laughs> um, sorry. I got distracted by uh, Zay. He was walking by the window. Um... But yeah, no, I mean, that's that's definitely a positive, um, I would say. I feel like there's just been a lot of issues with uh, North Korea, especially with, um, you know, Trump and his love for 
throwing out how extensive our military is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, sounds like a good step in the right direction anyway. I mean, yeah, they're, they're both neighboring countries. They've been at war for over 60 years. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But I don't know what that was. Oh, either. that was the save your thoughts. This is our roundtable discussion. Yeah, we're having a little mini roundtable. We're going to mini roundtable it before the main roundtable. We're not having a, a large roundtable. <laughs> oh, I was this uninformed. No, I think it's an enormous step in the right direction. And I, honestly, it I think it's some of the most shocking news I've seen come out of the region, especially given the fact that earlier this year we were going from uh, rocket threats to rockets being launched over to Japan to talks of, uh, you know, peace between North and South Korea, at, at, like an official, like legal, like, hey, we're actually not at war anymore. Let's let's do this thing, whether it be a two Korea solution or a, a eventual unification that I think that would be an ideal, but maybe that's a bit lofty in the way of looking at it. Was your, uh, cause you come from a military family, JD, were you ever stationed over there in like Southeast Asia? We were not stationed in Southeast Asia, but I have, I, so if the war, if the war, so if the war between those two ends, um, obviously South Korea is a large place where, um, a lot of like Marines are stationed, a lot of like military bases. Do you think that that starts moving up into North Korea or do you think that they're, this is just for that, those two countries and America still has, um, issues to figure out with, you know, those Southeast countries of North Korea? Well, I think... I, I don't think I'd see a creep of bases. It would be ideal if there was uh, like more joint cooperation between uh, South and North Korean forces under like a NATO organization or something like that, or maybe a, a joint NATO and uh, like Chinese exercise, something like that to sort of be like, hey, we don't necessarily have to go toe-to-toe any, anymore. We should uh, be more allies rather than enemies. That would be a, I, ideal. I don't see the bases going anywhere. I don't think. Is there that's a base a, station on the uh, on the par- why can't I think of the forty eighth parallel? Uh, I believe there's a navy station in Seoul. I don't quote me on it though, yeah. but I know <laughs> that there are several bases throughout uh, Japan as well as South Korea. Because uh, I'm that, just curious as to like what happens to those bases. But I mean, I don't know. I'm just kind of asking you because you have that expertise. I would not call it expertise, but I, I do have some experience yeah. with it. Uh, overall, I think it's it's a step in the the right direction, and I think, uh, I, I think that there's been some good pressure coming from the international community on onto South Korea. As much as we like to uh, uh, tease Donald Trump for his his references on on calling him Little Rocket Man and things like that, he's definitely stepped stepped up pressure along with the rest of the international community into hey, we don't really tolerate this type of behavior. It's not the type of thing we we want, and it, and it, you see them start to come in to the bargaining table. There was a meeting, what, last month where, where he met with President uh, Xi, Xi, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name, of China. Uh, Jinping? I, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he's obviously feeling some pressure, and he, and he wants to sort of come at it from a strongman position. Uh, and I wouldn't even be surprised if we're starting to see the end of, of North Korea and maybe a unified Korean peninsula is, yeah. is feasible. 
I mean, I think before the Olympics, there was a lot of talk that a lot of people were kind of scared of what North Korea was going to do when the whole world was just, you know, a couple miles south. But I think, you know, that Olympics there in Seoul, South Korea, I think that really got that conversation started. And I think that kind of shows that when you have these sporting events or just gatherings around the world of unification, it can start these conversations to where these two countries who have been at war since 1950, um, can come together and just be like, you know, we're neighboring countries. We need to help each other out. And I think it is a great, um, I think it's a great thing for both countries. Well, didn't they come out as one country too? They yeah, did. They did. Exactly. Yeah, so that so just kind of shows that, you know, maybe the Olympics did kind of help um, at least, I'm not going to say that because I don't know, but you know, it definitely helped start that conversation. And um, I think that that's when they released that they were going to meet. And maybe like show the world that they are starting to take these steps to. Yeah. Move. All eyes were on them. And yeah. I think that was a big, a motive factor for them. I'm very excited to see how uh, Kim Jong-un's meeting with Donald Trump will go uh, coming later in the oh, month. Yeah. That'll mm. be an interesting, interesting endeavor, uh, especially since they're both such bombastic personalities mm. with uh, a strong, you know, state-based yeah, we'll ideas. We will, we will see what happens, and you will get that news here. Here. Only on the Rocky Mountain Review. Not oh, only on the Rocky Mountain only. Review. Only. <laughs> no, re- no one else will be reporting on if it. If any obviously. listeners out there have any, uh, you know, thoughts on this issue, uh, call or text in 970-491-5278. Again, that number is 970-491-KCSU. Just kind of give us your thoughts out there on uh, maybe you're more educated on the um, Korean, um, you know, the war or something. I don't know. I, I Sorry, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, if you have any thoughts out there, please please let us know. Yeah. Once again, 970-491-KCSU. Uh, we're going to continue on with national and global news. I'm going to send it over to Katie. Seven inmates at Lee Correctional Institution in Bishopville, South Carolina, have died from fatal wounds during what had been the deadliest prison riot since 1993. Over the weekend, a riot broke out after disputes over territory and contraband, specifically cell phones, reports Reuters. In addition to the seven fatalities, 17 inmates suffered injuries during the eight-hour-long riot that took place overnight. When the riot began, there were 44 guards on duty throughout the prison, and knowing that they are outnumbered, they called for backup and waited four hours before intervening with the prisoners, according to the New York Times. Director of South Carolina Department of Corrections, Brian P. Sterling, says that this was for the safety of the guards. Uh, South Carolina officials have been aware for months that inmates have been smuggling cell phones into the prison to manage crimes on the outside, according to Reuters. The governor of South Carolina is renewing his request to federal officials to block cell signals on the prison grounds. This particular prison, Lee Correctional Institution, is a public maximum security prison that has a reputation for violence. In 2013, the then warden of the prison said that it was the most dangerous prison in the state. Um, Earlier this year, in February, there's an inmate killed there, um, and fights from 2016 and 2015 had been reported. Uh, The last time a prison riot escalated to the size was in 1993 in Ohio, where nine inmates and one guard died. I mean, there are multiple problems with this story. I mean, they they knew for they said that they kind of were aware that cell phones were getting smuggled in. Right. They know that they're understaffed. They know it's one of the most dangerous prisons. I honestly, I 
I don't know. I need to look more into this story, but it does kind of like agitate me a little bit because if you know that this stuff is going on and you know that there's four guards with 250 oh, max prison. 44. What? 44? Mm-hmm. I mean, still, that's. Still, it's I a mean, huge how many is that? Prison. That's four to one. Or no, that's way more than four to one. That's <laughs> right. like six to one with prisoner ratio. That, I mean, that's a problem. That's a problem. And especially South Carolina has been in the spotlight before for their prisons. And there's obviously um, prison reform needs to happen regardless. But mm-hmm. this just kind of shows that. People are turning a blind eye to certain situations like this, and this is, you know, what happened. Seven people died. I mean, I know that they're prisoners, but at the same time, you know, seven people died. This guy, I was reading this article where this girl was texting her brother in prison. See, that's a problem right there, too, right. because they, they don't track those families saying, like, oh, maybe they're tech. I don't know, but that's a problem right there. And he stood there for three hours. He could have been helped, but he stood there for three hours because there was nobody to help him. Mm-hmm. Right. This whole story, it's just kind of... There's problems, and this it's it's a serious issue. Prison reform needs to be talked about. Yeah. Right, and I think um, the director that Brian Sterling, the director of Department of Corrections, was saying, yeah, it did take them four hours to intervene, but it takes a while to assemble a SWAT team in rural South Carolina. Well, then it's going to take him a while to get a new job, because obviously <laughs> he cannot handle right. running prisons and in I, South Carolina. I feel like that shouldn't be an excuse for... You know, they could have prevented a bunch of these deaths. And I also read that the bodies were just being, like, stockpiled in the middle of the prison. And, you know, nothing was happening because the guards weren't in the situation. Yeah. It just seems like such a ridiculous situation. Like, those are the things that you lo- you should be looking for. Like, your inmates shouldn't be able to send Snapchats. <laughs> right. Why, why do they, like, how, don't they search prison quarters? Like... Shouldn't you be able to find, like, an iPhone? Like, no, no. No, absolutely, absolutely. Hello, caller? Oh, I think they were Oh, I think I can hear them, but I don't know. No, I can hear them, too. We have to um, figure that out. Oh, it's on speaker. (laughs) Hang. I'm killing it, I swear. I just, like, panicked and hit all the buttons, and then they were all the wrong buttons. Oh, no. Um, we will figure that out. If you really do want to um, uh, put your two cents in, please text us. Um, and then if it's the next break, we will figure out the phone situation, and then we can call you back, and we can have you on air. Um, just kind of send us a sh- quick text. Um, oh, calling in again. Let's let's figure this out. We're just going for a round let's two. Let's try it it's, now. It's live Hello, caller. Hi, I'm calling to be a caller on the radio. You yes, did sir. It. How are you? Okay. Or I guess I did it. <laughs> so I wanted to share about Kim Jong-un. Yes, absolutely. So I, a lot of people don't know this, Fantastically, he was born in 1984. Mm-hmm. He's he's only 34 years old. Yeah, hmm. is that too young to run a country? Do you think? I thought he was like 50 or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I mean he is young. I mean he just it's it's a dictatorship, so he kind of just takes over when his father passed away. Yeah, I think I think that's how that works. Dynasty. Right? Yeah. Do you have any other uh, any comments, caller? <clears throat> I think what if they did a like a fix fist fight you know for charity the trumpster and the and the oomster, like a like a you know? like, like a barstool rowdy yeah and they put on the gloves and do 10 rounds <laughs> yeah i mean maybe yeah but that's uh yeah yeah let us know when you uh, yeah, when comment. you propose that one to them um, why talk why not just fight it out <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much I for calling in who i would cheer for yeah <laughs> <laughs> true awesome well thank you so much caller all right. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I don't even remember where we were in the conversation. <laughs> we were talking about prison riots. Yeah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, when it 
obviously, you know, your hearts go out to the families who the inmates that they lost because you don't know the charges and how long that they'll be in there. Maybe they were going to see him again. But, I mean, she was texting her. It said that she had texted her brother for, you know, the entire time that he was in there. Um, you know, you don't you don't lose every single right you have when you go to prison because you're still a human being, but you are right. in prison. You can't have a cell phone. You can't snap. Um, there needs to be... There needs to be reform. I don't know. I don't know enough about prisons, but that it, this whole story is just, just mind blowing to me. I guess. I think right. this is something that we talked about before too, because I remember a while ago we were talking about like uh, rights of prisoners, and it almost that was yeah that was with the underwear bomber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it mm. it almost. I mean, I'm not going to compare the two quite exactly, but it's more of like a a, a rights thing where it's like you should. Feel feel i guess like in some sense be able to have that sort of safety i mean yeah there's different levels i think with the underwear bomber and i, I remember i was you know pretty adamant about that conversation mm -hmm. because you know he was somebody who wanted to kill 250 people and his plan his plan went wrong and now he's being mistreated well i mean he should have died eight years ago so you ca i mean that's when i don't really see the rights for that person but when i don't when i don't know the charges for these specific people if you're only there for a few years and you're going to come back out obviously prisons for rehabilitation it's not for you know, I mean, obviously you have to like have some security in there. So you kind of join these gangs and do this kind of stuff, but you don't get in more trouble in prison. You're there to be rehabilitated. And that's right. why you need reform. You need more prisoners. You need, you can't have these people have the phones. You need them. You just need to, I mean, people do have rights in prisons and it's, yeah. you know, it's, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a confusing thing because I don't understand prison reform, but I think after this story, people need to take a real hard look at what's going on and all mm -hmm. these, ma especially a maximum, maximum security, security prison. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just, you know, oh, you did insider trading for a year. It's, yeah. you know, you did something very serious. Right. I mm -hmm. know one of the victims was in there for life. A couple of the others, were in, you know, had very long sentences, but like you were saying, there's still people and mm -hmm. they still have those basic human rights and, um, yeah. Yeah. I I know what you mean. Yeah. Um yeah. cool. Well, uh should, yeah. we, should we go to the Nash yeah. last yeah, yeah, yeah. last story? Absolutely. <laughs> it's all about eggs. It's all about eggs. All about 200 eggs. million eggs that yeah. is. Colorado is one of the nine states affected after more than 200 million eggs have been recalled over concerns about salmonella. The Food and Drug Administration released a statement on their website Friday, uh, Friday warning of the possible contamination. 22 causes of salmonella have been reported so far, according to Jonathan Drew of CBS Denver, um, but no deaths have occurred. The tainted eggs came from a farm in North Carolina, which produces around 2 million eggs a day, uh, writes Christine Phillips of the Denver Post. The bacteria was discovered after the FDA conducted an inspection of the facility following the initial reports of illness. The farm ships to grocery stores as well as restaurants such as Waffle House in Colorado, Florida, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, and North and South Carolina. Popular brands that use the eggs include Country Daybreak, Daybreak uh, Glenview, Food Lion, um, Great Value, and Walmart brands. A representative for Food Lion told CBS that they have removed all the recalled eggs and that, quote, the eggs that are in stores today are safe. The, form, the farm that produced the eggs has not commented on the outbreak. Um, some symptoms have been um, of salmonella, salmonella include nausea, diarrhea, fever, and vomiting. Another scary story. Yeah. Ooh, this is some explosive news. <laughs> okay. Wow. I don't, uh, yeah. Good pun there. I caught it. I mean, the FDA had to... Congrats. inspect them after the initial um 
people started getting sick. Isn't it the FDA's job to make sure that every single place is up to health standards so that this exact incident doesn't happen? Yeah, I wonder how how uh, how frequently they do those inspections. Yeah. Rarely. Yeah. I mean, I'm how many times? Not enough. I mean, it's just you know, like the FCC works off complaints. So if we had a complaint, you know, the FCC would come here. They're, they're not mm-hmm. checking all the time, which I get. Um, but this happens a lot. I mean, I remember when we were a kid, I remember I had Jif peanut butter and we had to return that because that peanut butter had an outbreak. It's mm. scary stuff because, you know, Americans consume a lot of mass like product food yeah. and it's it's scary. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like this is this is like a good thing. Like it not not it's not a good thing. It's a good thing <laughs> that they caught it. Yes. Like, I mean, yeah, they, absolutely. Like, man, if you if you look back to the early 1900s, you like look at Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, right. man, the quality of food we're getting is awful. And now we have this institution that's like, OK, you, you got to do these things that don't don't make people sick because because that's bad. Yeah, that's real bad. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to catch it, albeit, you know, after they had already gone to market mm-hmm. uh, and like be able to call it back. That's a that's a, a huge health gain right there. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right. All right. All right. I think that's <laughs> going to conclude national. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to do our music, our Rocky Mountain music segment with um, our own DJ Danish. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned. You are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And thank you to DJ Danish for doing that segment for us. Um, she actually just got a show here. So look out for her show on our website. Um, she like literally just passed her test, like I think last week. Um, so yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll be coming back here in just a second with uh, weather and we'll be signing off. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. You are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. A single ember from a wildfire can travel over a mile. You can't control where it lands, only what happens before it does. Simple steps to adapt to wildfire helps keep this from turning into this. Your home is better protected from wildfire when your whole community is prepared. Visit fireadapted.org for tips to get started today. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Battalise. I am your co-host. Um, our co-host left, but uh, I guess you're technically now the co-host. Our national news correspondent and next news director, J.D. Layton. And also apprentice junior reporter weatherman in Gabe's absence. I feel like you just throw a bunch of uh, words in there and then hope that they all sound nice together. Um, am I wrong? I heard, I heard no, 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 I, no response. I'll no have response. you know that my meteorological... <laughs> no response. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just turned off his mic. Um, anyway, we're also in here with my reporter, Katie Otter. Hello. Hello. Um, yeah, we're here for the weather. If you haven't been outside yet, super windy. But um, Maybe st- just stay in, though, I've, if you haven't have gone Have we given out. you a title yet? No. Can no, we call you re- the stream reporter? The stream reporter? Because her name's Katie Otter. No. Well, that was a good try. <laughs> that was a good try. Were you excited about that no, title? No, I don't know if I... If, 
how I feel about that title. <laughs> we'll find you. Reporter. We'll find you a better one, considering you haven't reported on any streams. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> All Soon, right. we'll get you out there. My God. All <laughs> right, tuned. take it away, Junior Weather Apprentice. It's Junior Apprentice Weatherman Reporter JD Meteorologist Layton. JD Layton, go. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday, and guess what? It's super windy. You guys already know that. You've been out there. You've been dragged around by the wind. Your jackets, pff, they turn into kites. You're a parachute soldier. There's You're a tree going. down on campus. It's so true. You guys saw really? that. Yeah, between Eddie and the library. Oh, man. It's windy, windy season. And you know what tomorrow's going to be on Wednesday? Nice and sunny with an almost high of 60, but it'll be 59. It's not quite there. The low <laughs> of 36 degrees. Not a cloud in sight. It's perfect. It's perfect. That wind's still going to be kind of high, though. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it's Colorado. Sometimes you got to deal with a windy day, take a little sunshine. I'm going to blame you if I see a cloud tomorrow. (laughs) I can't control that. I merely merely report on the weather. Oh, but come Thursday, the clouds start encroaching, ruining your day and delivering you a, ah, well, slightly windy weather. Windier, too. Yeah, at 18 miles, 16 miles per hour. God, I can't even read the own weather i can't even speak <laughs> numbers oh man you can't read numbers is that what you were trying to say with a high of 66 degrees and a low of 40 thursday will be a nice day but coming into friday i just i've done no. the whole week no no no. don't do friday no no they I'll have save. to come back for friday stay tuned you stay gotta, tuned for stay friday tuned. keep that dial locked we're until next thursday, thursday. <laughs> next thursday the, well that's thursday <laughs> just keep your dial locked for on 90.5 KCSU until true. thursday true um yeah, but that's gonna that's gonna wrap up um, our show. Um, yeah, thank you so much for um, like Dr. Blanche Hughes for coming on today. Um, we had a wonderful interview with her, um, as well as uh, Bjorn Larson, our sports reporter. Thank you so much for him for coming on, um, as well as uh, Emily Mashak and Katie Otter. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks Gabe Peterson isn't here, but thank you for coming on. Um, thank you, JD Layton, our national news correspondent. I thought you weren't gonna thank me. And uh, <laughs> Delia, wait. Yeah. Stop. Thank you. At thanks. And thanks, also Julia. DJ Danish. <laughs> I wasn't done yet. I like you're like wanted to wait. make sure. I know. I like how you all have to interrupt me now so that I don't thank myself. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, tune back in on Thursday. Um, this is the Rocky Mountain Review where you can get all different types of news, local, national, sports, music, weed, weather. sometimes weather. Egg beer, news. Egg news. Yep, sure, why not? Um, anyway, yeah, we'll be coming back here on Thursday, um, every Tuesday, Thursday, 4 to 5 p.m. So, uh, yeah, anyway, stay tuned. You are listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.